Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And today we have a a really powerful guest for you, um, Rebecca Hagen. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, Maybe you've heard uh, our other program with with Rebecca, which is available in the archives of stgabrielradio.com. Rebecca just has a phenomenal story of uh, abortion pill rescue or abortion pill reversal. Uh, She took the abortion pill. She thought abortion was her only solution. And then what kicked in was that uh, maternal instinct to protect her baby. Uh, She went through the reversal process, which is available now uh, for those interested in in looking up more information. The website is abortionpillreversal.com. And uh, she now has a, a beautiful family. Uh, this was seven years ago, right, Rebecca? It was, yeah. yeah. So uh, Rebecca has four children. She's married. She has four children, one of whom could have been aborted had it not been uh, for for a, a really God part of her story. God was really in it, wasn't he, Rebecca? He was, yeah. To, this to was rescue your son. Yeah, absolutely a beautiful story. So we're going to hear a little bit more about that story, although you can hear the full story in Rebecca's uh, previous program with us. Today, we're going to focus in on women and the, 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 the trauma, the stress that they go through, which often uh, leads them to an abortion. Let's help understand how could a person like Rebecca, I know your story, Rebecca, so I know you were raised a Christian, you were church going. Christian. Uh, you had an intact family. All right. You were uh, headed to, to college. Uh, everything looked beautiful in your life. And, and in fact, you would think had you gotten pregnant, your family probably would have been there supporting you, uh, which they did because the, the, the pregnancy we're talking about now in terms of your abortion pill was your second pregnancy. Your family had stood behind you in that first pregnancy. They did. Yeah. And so so we would expect a Christian family. How could you have assumed that this was this was a choice that you needed to make? Uh, assume that maybe the family would not be there to support you again. Uh, assume that God would forgive you. Let's unpack that because I think a lot of times people don't don't really understand what really goes through the mind and heart of a woman who is so desperate that she actually chooses an abortion? Um, I know that was that was hard for me, Rebecca, when I first got into pregnancy help. How could a woman ever think about that or do that? And yet, after I had heard a few stories, it was really clear to me how this happens, even for, for Christian women. And I believe the statistics now indicate that one out of four women who are, are Christians, call themselves Christians, will have had an abortion. So if we're in a group of Christian women, we can assume that a lot of those women have had abortions. We want to emphasize, too, in our program today, um, the availability of post-abortion healing 
and support for women who have had abortions. It's it's so needed today. Well, Rebecca, let's let's um, let me turn it over to you with a couple of questions because you're really an expert in this. Not only have you experienced all those emotional pressures that led you to your abortion. Uh, but now you've heard so many stories and worked with other women who have been through the same thing. Um, tell us about the emotional pressures that, um, that caused you to actually, I know if, if listeners have heard your story, know too, that you made three visits to an abortion clinic before you actually took that abortion pill. Right. You were bound and determined you were going to have that abortion. All right. What tell us about the the pressures that were going through your mind at that time? Gosh, Peggy, there were so many. There are so many external factors that play into the mindset of a girl in a crisis, unplanned pregnancy who is considering abortion. But I would say probably the most impacting factor in my life was my upbringing and my parents, because that laid the framework, the foundation for me to even really consider this abortion. And you know, you you just said it. I grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. I I grew up sort of knowing better. And with my first pregnancy, I didn't even consider terminating at all. Even though you were a teenager, right. you were a senior in high school, 17, right? 17, mm-hmm. scared out of my mind, not knowing what was going to happen. But the issue was in my house, we didn't talk about being pro-life. We didn't talk about abortion. I really didn't know how I felt about the subject. I just thought having a baby, owning up to my actions was my responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? I had gotten pregnant. I needed to fix the situation. Abortion didn't seem, it didn't seem necessary. It wasn't necessarily that I was so pro-life. I had to choose life. So unfortunately I'm living in a house where abortions never discussed. Mm -hmm. And I realize now, and I think this is really important even for believers to hear that abortion was never discussed in my home because, and I didn't know this, my mom, my mom told me later in life, she had had three abortions mm. when she was a teenager, forced into them by my grandmother, had a horrible, traumatic childhood and life. And because she had never healed from it, because mm. there was so much shame surrounding those choices, those decisions, those lives that were ended, my siblings, she couldn't talk to her children, m- me and my four sisters, about God's plan for healthy intimacy in marriage, about sex, about abortion, about being pro-life. She couldn't even go there because she hadn't yet forgiven herself. Wow. That is so powerful, Rebecca. And, you know, we do have, we've had legal abortion in the United States now since 1973, almost 50 years. There are generations of women now who have experienced abortion. And, and that, that lack of healing you know, does does really affect parenting of people who have had abortions. Absolutely. We know that for sure. Um, and, and your story is such a powerful one of how that caused a, a lack of openness about this in your family and facing into it. And isn't it sad that your mother never experienced post-abortion healing? Um, and uh, gosh, it's it's just amazing how that how that affects generations to come. And we're so thankful that that, that post-abortion healing is so readily available now. Did your mother ever experience post-abortion healing? She has. She Good. has since experienced that 
Wonderful. And I'm so thankful for that. Wonderful. Absolutely. It's a, it's a point in our program now we can even mention uh, a couple of local resources for post-abortion healing here in uh, the Diocese of Columbus. Um, uh, our Pregnancy Center, PDHC, uh, has a, a big post-abortion healing program. They have support groups. They do Rachel's Vineyard. Uh, their number is uh, 1-614-444-4411. And we have a, a wonderful Catholic-based um post-abortion healing program as well called Bethesda Healing, which is 614-309-0157. So um, it reminds me of a story, Rebecca, uh, that I'm very familiar with, a friend of mine who worked in pro-life. She worked full-time in pro-life, and uh, she had experienced abortion. And she, again, that secret shame, mm. she decided after she had come to healing that she really needed to share her story with her sisters. She had three sisters and with her mother. So she invited them to come to lunch and, and wanted to tell them her story. You know what? She found out that all three of her sisters and her mother had had more than one abortion. And so that secret shame really, really is, is, is massively destructive, uh, not only for the individual, uh, but for the family, uh, so so we encourage everyone to um, to to really uh, make sure that people who have had abortions are invited to come to healing. Make sure in what you say, you know, a long time ago, Rebecca, I made the um, vow to myself that I would never talk about abortion without also talking about the hope and healing available after abortion. So, um, well, that's powerful. So your parents, you you never really talked about uh, abortion. You didn't really know and understand much about it. Uh, so when the second pregnancy comes about, and I know, because I know your story, you were involved with an abusive uh, man mm-hmm. at that point, or young man at that point. Um, and so you couldn't turn to him support, right. for support. You thought you couldn't turn to your parents. Right. So abortion seemed your only alternative. Yeah. And it it did seem like a good choice at the time. So there was the pressure from what I knew about my parents, which was, we helped you out the first time. Don't get pregnant again. And then there was almost the pressure of the unknown because I didn't know about my mom's history. I didn't know how she would receive this news. Here I am thinking they would react one way, which was uh, uh, scary to me. They're mm-hmm. going to kick me out. They're going to do A, B, and C, disown me, not help us uh, practically or emotionally or financially, all of those pressures. And then the, the pressure of what I didn't know as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Uh, the research shows that the the primary factor that women say uh, pressures them toward abortion is um, the lack of involvement of the father of the child, mm-hmm. the feeling of abandonment. Yeah. But very close to that is also the sense of abandonment by the family. I'm just alone. You know, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. So that led you um, to to uh, taking the abortion pill. Now. Um, praise God, you also, that maternal instinct kicked in and uh, you started looking on your cell phone to see if there was any way to reverse that. <laughs> and you found abortion pill reversal, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely amazing. Um, there, There is a protocol. It's progesterone based medical regimen. Uh, that pro-life doctors and nurses uh, and and other practitioners and pregnancy centers can provide so that women who've taken that first pill 
which cuts off progesterone, which is necessary for the baby to survive, that's reversed by massive doses of progesterone. And that has to continue, however, through the pregnancy. You still need support. Talking about focusing on the the pressures on women. I just learned recently, Rebecca, that women who are now getting the progesterone, who have chosen abortion pill reversal, who have already saved their baby, uh, there are cases where they actually proceed to a surgical abortion. Right. Tell us about that. What happens? They've saved their baby. Now they're under care, getting progesterone. They've made that decision. And I was just amazed to hear that some of them, not very many, but some proceed to a surgical abortion. You're exactly right. In fact, I have been part of talking to mentoring girls going through abortion pill reversal. So they've stopped the abortion. They're carrying a healthy baby. And all of a sudden, they will stop responding to you. Or you can tell this is taking a turn that you did not expect or want it to take. And it's actually because they're now uh, seeking out a, a surgical abortion. And I think the pressures are getting to them. So when a woman chooses life, it's really not a one-time choice. She doesn't just have to say yes to life once sitting in a pregnancy center or talking to her doctor or whatever the situation is. It's almost as if she has to really until she's out of that window where abortion is accessible or sometimes even all the way up until she delivers that baby. She has to keep saying, yes, yes, I'm going to choose life. Yes, this is going to be hard. Yes, I'm going to trust God. And that's very, very difficult. So you've got the pressures of dad, dad of the baby, who is saying perhaps things like, I'm going to leave you. I may not even be the father of that baby. I don't Mm -hmm. believe you. Things Mm -hmm. like that. And sometimes all they say is, well, the decision's up to you. Right. And that doesn't help. That's abandonment. That is. Mm -hmm. And all of that weight is on your shoulders. You've got the pressures from your family, right? We already talked about those. Dad, Mm -hmm. mom will kick you out, disown you, Mm -hmm. whatever you think will happen. And then you have some of the external societal factors. In general, how does our culture talk about, think about young, single, pregnant moms. I mean, we don't typically talk about them in the most favorable ways. Mm -hmm. We talk about how oftentimes, uh, you know, people that are fatherless end up in these horrible situations. They're more likely to be incarcerated. You have all these fears thinking, my child's not going to have a good dad. Therefore, their life is not of value. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that value that is innate right because we were made in the image of god now has become conditional right so it is amazing as you've been talking about the messages that parents and other loving people may give unintentionally uh let's talk about that a little more uh, after i reintroduce our guest today Uh, our guest today is rebecca hagan um she is uh, a wonderful young wife and mother mother of four Uh, who is now in ministry really trying to help people understand abortion pill reversal, the abortion pill process, and how it can be reversed, and how there is hope. There's always hope. Uh, Rebecca right now is, um, is partnering with Heartbeat International, which has taken the Abortion Pill Rescue Network under our wings in the last uh, few years to promote, to develop, to expand the Abortion Pill Rescue Network, which now has doctors and medical professionals and pregnancy centers around the world who are helping women 
to reverse their abortions if they've taken that first pill of the abortion pill regimen. Um, so we're talking now today, we have a program with Rebecca where she tells her story in full. It's in our archives at stgabrielradio.com. But I'm asking her today to help us understand more the pressures on women, uh, which are which are and I will never say forcing women into the abortion pill, because, of course, we all have free will. But so many women feel coerced. In fact, studies have shown that 80 percent of women say they felt coercion uh, when they chose their abortion. So what is putting pressure on these women? We've talked already um, about the um, the feeling of aloneness from the father of the child, or he may be out of the picture. As in your case, you had gotten away from an abusive young man and you weren't going to get support from him. You didn't want that. Um, the the sense that parents or family might not be there to support us, all right? because sometimes parents say things like, well, we better never have an unexpected pregnancy in our house, or your sister got that way. You better never. <laughs> you know, I've heard Clients have told me those kinds of things in in pregnancy help, Uh, things that parents will say or not say, for instance, because you didn't learn about abortion and what it really was. You didn't know your family's values about that. And in your case, uh, your mother had had three abortions and she had never had healing. So that was certainly uh, had an effect in her parenting and her her talking to you about things like that. So um, it helps us understand, I think, as believers, why do so many women choose abortions, even believers, even girls that are going to church uh, regularly in, in our evangelical churches, in Catholic churches? One out of four women who describe themselves as a Christian has had an abortion now in our United States. Um, so let's get back to some of the parenting, because we do have a lot of people listening to our program who are parents or grandparents now who have young people in their lives and they they uh they they want to make sure that uh perhaps their families can avoid the kind of choice that you made and and thank god he rescued you from uh Rebecca in choosing the abortion pill um I shared with you a, a little bit earlier how I tried to handle this with our children because having worked in pregnancy help for a number of years since my husband and I started housing girls in 1975, our children were really, in fact, our children weren't born then. <laughs> they were born and adopted after that. So as they kept growing up, I kept thinking, you know, how do I need to message to our children about these things? Uh, how do we be non-judgmental? about the girls and women who are coming to live with us? How do we be supporting and loving? And at the same time, not send the message to our children that this is okay. You know, <laughs> we, um, there are certain values and standards and, and teachings, uh, God's word that we want them to understand and our teachings. It's, it's very, very difficult. Um, so what we tried, Rebecca, was, um, making sure that they understood where our values were in terms of marriage and uh, God's plan for our sexuality, uh, sexual intimacy that involves God, marriage, yeah. unconditional love, you know, self-gift, and, and children being welcomed into that atmosphere. That was God's plan, all right? And we wanted them to understand the devastation of abortion and what it really does to the unborn child and to the mother 
and to the father of those children who sometimes have terrible emotional effects. Um, but at the same time, I always said to them, and usually not in the same conversation, <laughs> there is nothing you can ever say or do that will make me stop loving you. Always feel that you can come to your mom and dad. You know, there's nothing you can ever say or do that will make us stop loving you. So you're a young mother now, Rebecca. Have you thought about those kinds of challenges with your children? Absolutely. I think I think about it all of the time. And <laughs> even though they're so much younger, probably than when you were having those types of big discussions with your kids, you know, my oldest child is eight and Zachariah's seven. Mm-hmm. But even, you can work it into conversations when they're that little short. We, even right now at this young age, we talk about things like forgiveness and grace. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be scared to tell mommy and, and daddy, my husband, uh, this or that. And it's setting the groundwork uh, for that trust that I hope that they will see and our relationship right. can be built on later in life if if something does happen. Sure. I can remember the first time I said to that to our son, he was about eight and he had broken a neighbor's window. He had thrown a hit their basement window. Oh he my was throwing goodness. a ball and it broke their basement window. And, uh, and he didn't tell me first. It was the neighbor who said, I think your son broke the window, you know? <laughs> So when you say it over little things, it's like talking about Santa Claus or sexuality. Mm -hmm. You just use every opportunity, no matter how little they are, to reinforce also the dignity of every human life, the beauty of babies, you know, welcoming every baby. I can remember some friends of ours who actually had uh, 12 children, and uh, when their um, neighbor got pregnant unexpectedly, a neighbor's teenage daughter, uh, they wanted to make sure that she didn't feel in any way condemned, you know, by them or by anyone else. They just took her over a rose and just gave it to her and let her family and her know that, you know, she was loved and supported. Um, so there, there are ways to do it, you know, all, uh, no matter what age. So I'm glad you're committed to that, Rebecca. <laughs> so what happened in your own family? How did your parents respond when uh, you reversed the abortion? You couldn't keep it secret. You had decided God really, in a powerful way, um, put lots of obstacles up for that abortion. And then... When you got back to your car after taking the first pill, you found abortion pill reversal. You started going through the process. So obviously, you had to let your parents know, guess what? You have a second grandchild on the way. Right. And they did find out. I actually didn't tell them. My dad intercepted a voicemail that was left by a doctor. (laughs) Some parents are like that. Mine are. And he was so mad at first. And when I told him, Dad, that's not it. You, 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 the, me being pregnant really just scratches the surface here. I started a chemical abortion. I've taken the first abortion pill, not even sure if this baby is going to survive or what will be the outcome, praying, hoping, and I'm receiving progesterone to try to save this baby's life. He was shocked. And what he basically told me was, gosh, I tried to use fear, you know, by saying, I will kick you out. I will... A, B, and C, do all of these things if you ever become pregnant in my house again. He used that as a tactic. He thought fear would be a big motivation. Absolutely. To not get pregnant. Mm -hmm. It's not. And believe me, I've heard that story from many, many girls. Right. Fear is not the best way to motivate your children. Right. (laughs) Right. And and we think about it, and fear doesn't typically motivate us as adults often. Mm -hmm. And he basically expressed, I had no idea that your fear 
would lead you to an abortion clinic. I didn't the first time in his mind. Eventually, I told them what was going on. I was pregnant with my first baby. Mm -hmm. So why would I end up in an abortion clinic the second time? He had no idea that his words could literally help to um, end the life of his grandchild. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that's the case with so many parents. You know, I know another story of a friend of mine who was also involved full time in pro-life activity. And she had the secret shame of an abortion. She was from a wonderful big family where they're very, very pro-life, talked about pro-life all the time. Uh, But when she got pregnant, she was so fearful of telling her parents because she didn't want to disappoint them. She didn't want to uh, make them think that they had been a failure in the way that they had raised her. So she went ahead and had the abortion and kept it secret for years and years and years. And when she decided to um to when she had went through post abortion healing um and decided she needed to tell her story publicly then of course she also needed to tell her parents all right <laughs> they were going to hear her story right so again the importance of of the double message not just the message you're teaching your children about god's plan for our sexuality but that as god forgives us when when uh, we come to him and say i'm sorry I made a mess of something. I am sorry. That's how loving parents also want to be. We want to imitate our Father in Heaven. So um, it's 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 a challenge, obviously, in our day and age when there's so much uh, temptation, so many opportunities for young people to um, to get themselves into the kind of trouble that that they do. Um, so well. And I, I want to give again some resources here that are important for people listening to our story. Uh, where there is abortion, wherever, there is also opportunity and resources for post-abortion healing. Uh, here in our Columbus Diocese, um, we have a wonderful Catholic program called Bethesda Healing, 614-309-0157. Uh, people may have heard about that on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm sure we have some programs in our archives on that as well. And our uh, Pregnancy Help Center, PDHC, um, that uh, is here in Columbus, has an extensive post-abortion healing program. They do Rachel's Vineyard and support groups uh, for post-abortion healing, 1-614-444-4411. And if anyone's listening who is interested in post uh, in, in abortion pill reversal and abortion pill rescue, uh, they can find out more at the website, abortionpillreversal.com. Uh, and Heartbeats Option Line answers those calls, 1-800-712-HELP. So, um, Rebecca, unfortunately, our time is up on the program today. Uh, Thank you so much. And please uh, listen to Rebecca's additional program at stgabrielradio.com. You've been listening today to Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn. Uh, The Family Sanctuary is broadcast at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.